Father, we thank you for the privilege of knowing that you have sent your Son to be our Savior. That the fullness of deity has provided full and sufficient reconciliation through his blood shed on the cross. There is nothing that stands between us and you. For Christ has atoned for all of our sin. We thank you for the comfort that you give us, the assurance, because our sins have been paid for. As we come together tonight, we are grateful that as we are in this season of Advent, we not only know the joy of the good news that a Savior has come for us. But we also have the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and understand the heart of the Father, the plan of God, and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ with greater perception than we have ever had before so that we might value it, rejoice in it, and proclaim it. We commit this time to you tonight. May Jesus truly be honored and glorified. In his name we pray. Amen. Through this Advent season on Wednesday evenings, we have been looking at Christmas carols in light of Scripture, endeavoring to understand better the scriptural themes behind the words that we sing and appreciate so much at this time of year. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the carols of John Wesley. Tonight, we want to look for a few moments at my favorite Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The Christmas carol, which we know as Hark the Herald Angels Sing, was first published in 1739 as a ten-stanza poem entitled him for Christmas Day, and it was published in a collection by John Wesley, which was entitled Hymns and Sacred Poems. It was written within a year of the Whit Sunday, on which Charles Wesley, quote, found rest for his soul. Albert Bailey, in his The Gospel and Hymns, wrote that he wrote this when the inspiration of his newly made contact with God was still fresh. Last week we were sharing a bit about Charles Wesley's process and the timeline in which he came to faith in Jesus Christ and it was after an encounter with Count Zinzendorf and the Moravians that Christ really became real to him, and it was on this Whit Sunday that he found rest for his soul. 
Wesley's hymn originally began with the words, Hark, how all the welkin rings. The word welkin means heaven or sky. Obviously a word that is very obsolete. Well, in 1753, George Whitfield, another of the founders of Methodism, along with John and Charles Wesley, authored that first line to read, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And his first line and title have been used ever since. In the 1782 publication of New Version of the Psalms of David, Whitfield's adaption was used with the repetition of the opening line repeated at the end of each stanza, just as you and I sing it today. The theologically rich lyrics are set to a melody that was composed by Felix Mendelssohn. It was originally part of a cantata, and he had written it to celebrate the 400th year of Johann Gutenberg's invention of movable type printing. Now, this is about a hundred years after Charles Wesley had written this hymn for Christmas Day. When he wrote this cantata and he wrote this melody, part of the second movement, Mendelssohn had noted that his tune would never do for use with sacred words, writing that, quote, there must be a national and merry subject found out, end of quote. Wesley had originally envisioned that the tune that went with the resurrection hymn that he had written, Christ the Lord is Risen Today, would be used for this Christmas hymn. But in 1856, Disregarding Mendelssohn's words, British musician William Cummings adapted Mendelssohn's tune to fit the text of Wesley's hymn. The angel's good news of great joy is indeed a merry subject found out, and Mendelssohn's melody is the perfect accompaniment to Wesley's words of joyous truth. I find Hark the Herald Angels Sing to be a fascinating song, an engaging song, an electrifying song. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is preeminently Christological. It's about Christ. From King of Kings and Everlasting Lord in Highest Heaven Adored, to the woman's conquering seed who is the second Adam from above. This carol is saturated with scriptural revelation and theological truth in its presentation of Christ as the fullness of deity in bodily form. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. Charles Wesley wrote, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to appear, 
Jesus our Emmanuel here. I don't know if there is a song that you and I might find where there is more theological truth packed into each phrase. Such are these words that I've just read. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Remember when Jesus asked his disciples, who are people saying that I am? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Some people saw a prophet. Some people saw the likeness of John the Baptist or Elijah. John said, we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. He is the incarnate deity, the Son of Man, pleased with men to appear. Jesus, our Emmanuel, here. In his doctrinal presentation, Wesley set forth the divine nature of Christ, the kenosis of Christ. Now, the word kenosis means an emptying out. The word itself is not found in the New Testament. But its root word is used in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. And it's notably used to speak of Christ who laid aside his divine prerogatives. He emptied himself of every right that he had as the Son of God, and he took the nature of a slave. And he was found in the appearance of a man. That process of divesting himself of his divine prerogatives was his kenosis, his self-emptying. Charles Wesley also emphasizes the doctrines of Christ's sinless conception, incarnation, his substitutionary work, his prophecy-fulfilling achievements, and his indwelling life in the believer. And thus, he assures us, we are reconciled to God and reinstated in his love through this work that Christ has accomplished. In his composition, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Charles Wesley encompasses the scope of messianic promise beginning with the Garden of Eden to the final prophet in the, new, in the Old Covenant, Malachi, to the appearance of the angels in the skies of Judea, announcing the promise fulfilled, the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem. He lays bare humanity's ruined state 
and its need for restoration from the indelible and disfiguring imprint of sin on human nature. Wesley presents the work of regeneration and the mystic union that is experienced by the born-again believer who, as evidence of this transforming work, experiences the likeness and life of Christ, which is formed in every believing heart. That is a powerful theological statement. An emphatic doctrine that underscores what Jesus said, that if we are truly in him, there will be evidence, there will be fruit, showing that we are his disciples. And Charles Wesley incorporates in this carol no less than ten exclusive names and titles for Christ. He incorporates numerous Old Testament allusions. Phrases from the Gospels of Luke and John and from the Epistles of Paul to portray the exclusive and preeminent Christ. All of those things that I've noted for you make this an extraordinary carol. One that if we will pay attention to the words and if we will especially study it, in light of Scripture, will teach us expansively about Jesus Christ and the work that he has accomplished. Here are the ten stanzas of Wesley's hymn. We have them in their four-line components combined here. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ by highest heavens adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glories by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Now display thy saving power, Ruin nature, now restore. Now in mystic union join, thine to ours and ours to thine.
Adam's likeness, Lord efface, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Let us thee, though lost regain, thee the life, the inner man. O to all thyself impart, formed in each believing heart. As evidence of its enduring significance, Charles Wesley's Hymn for Christmas Day has been published in more than 1,240 hymnals. Last week I told you that Charles Wesley was the 18th of 18 children that Samuel and Susanna Wesley had. He authored 6,500 hymns, many of which are very dear to you and I, express so powerfully what we believe in the work that Christ has done for us. Hymns like this one, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Christ the Lord is risen today, Alleluia. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. And can it be that I should gain an entrance in my Savior's blood? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And we remarked on the fact, what if Samuel and Susanna Wesley had stopped? With number 17. 6,500 hymns would not have been written. Truths like you and I read in this song, a song that is so saturated with scriptural doctrine, so prolific and panoramic in its presentation of Jesus would never have been written. It was God's will for Samuel and Susanna Wesley to have 18 children. Because it wasn't until number 18 that this prolific songwriter was born. You and I can imagine that Susanna Wesley was a very busy mother. And yet, she always had time each day to spend with the Lord. And she would sit with her Bible and with a hymnal for an hour. She would read scripture. She would sing from that hymnal. And she would pray. It seems to me that there was a work of the Holy Spirit that was going on. Leading up to the birth of Charles Wesley, and certainly during those months when he was in his mother's womb, her voice singing hymns, reading the scriptures, 
and praying. Even before he was born, the Holy Spirit was investing and imprinting upon his DNA. God was part of him being knit together during that time in such a distinct and unique way that he would author more than 6,000 hymns that enrich the Church of Jesus Christ and teach us the truths about Christ to this very day. I encourage you to sit down with your Bible and with the text of this song. Underline where you see a Christological truth, a doctrinal teaching. Circle where you find references to Scripture. Highlight the names across the breadth of Scripture that you find in reference to Jesus. And let your heart be enriched by this wonderful Christmas carol, a hymn for Christmas Day that is meant to reveal to us the incredible glory and preeminence that there is in Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Father, we thank you. I look at the background and the life of Charles Wesley. I read these hymns and I think of what you have said in your word. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. I thank you, Father, that you've given us the heritage of people like Charles Wesley, who knew your word so intimately and who could express it so richly. Father, songs like this merit our attentiveness, our study. And above all, Lord Jesus, you and all of your worth and wonder, the one in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the one who is in us the hope of glory. You merit our study, our meditation, our delight and worship. I pray that we will find special time for you as we go through this Advent season to truly in honor and worship you as you deserve because you are Emmanuel, God with us. I pray your blessing upon each one who has been here this evening. I pray that the word of Christ will richly dwell in them. And that Holy Spirit, you will find opportunity in each one's life, heart, and activities 
to reveal Jesus in a greater way. In his name we pray. Amen.